What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back with episode 57, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC Russia card going down this Saturday afternoon from St. Petersburg, Russia. The prelims kick off to this at 10 a.m. Eastern, with the main card starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. And it features 12 fights on this fight card. So we will be analyzing and predicting all 12 of those fights very shortly here. But first, I would be remiss if I did not mention the UFC pay-per-view that went down this past weekend. Typically, we recap the uh, last week's card at the end of the Martian MMA program. But with how sensational the co-main and main events were, it would be a travesty to not mention these at the beginning of the program. Just... Those two fights, the co-main event between Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum, and the main event between Dustin Poirier and Max Holloway, were just two of the best back-to-back fights you could ever ask for in MMA. You know, there are certain times when there was, you know, um, Tyron Woodley versus Stephen Thompson, and then McGregor versus Alvarez at 205. At um, you know 189, there was uh, McDonald and and uh, Lawler, and then McGregor and Mendez. And then you know there are certain times when there are epic co-main and main events. Uh, another one is uh, Misha Tate and Holly Holm and McGregor and Nate Diaz. All, all those McGregor events, but um, this one was was special for that same reason. The co-main and main event were just just spectacular back-to-back fights. I would say the co-main event was probably the better fight, a little more competitive, had a, a more grappling involved with it. Um, it definitely had a more back-and-forth moments than the main event. Um, just you know, incredible performance from Kelvin and Israel in the co-main event. You know, Kelvin uh, had some success early, knocked down Israel the first round. Uh, Israel came back and won the second and third round, and then uh, Kelvin comes back and evens it up at two rounds apiece in the fourth round, leaving the fifth round up for the up for the winner. And Israel Adesanya comes up big, scoring the 10-8 round in the fifth round and uh, winning that fight via 48-46 decision. Uh, and then in the main event, we had um, Dustin Poirier just, uh, I- I'd say for the most part, outclassed Max Holloway, surprisingly, you know, snapping Max Holloway's 13-fight win streak. Um, Poirier's boxing was just on point. His power, his speed, his accuracy, I think all of it was better than uh, Max Holloway that night. And he just put on the performance of a lifetime to capture that interim title. You know, really, uh, I wouldn't say a dominant performance from, from Poirier, but he was in control for most of the fight. He did win four rounds on all three judges' scorecards. And my scorecard as well, I gave Max Holloway the third round. But I would give all four of the rounds to Poirier. He was in control. The power was a big difference, just like I expected it to be. You know, I expected uh, you know Holloway to have a lot of success in this fight, but I was worried about the power. And I honestly think that the power and size of Poirier was the biggest difference in this fight. It's just Poirier's power uh, punches had a little more pop behind them. He was the bigger man in the cage, and it showed uh, when it came to the scorecard. So. Um, that'll be all for the uh, that the, the recap for now. Maybe I'll uh, recap the, the the last couple fights at the end of the podcast. But with that being said, we're gonna jump right into analyzing and predicting all twelve fights on the UFC Russia St. Petersburg card going down this Saturday afternoon. Uh, that's Eastern Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I imagine the Europeans and uh, you know everyone uh, internationally will have a normal time card, while the Americans have to have the uh, the stranger uh timing with this card for a change 
Starting things off in the lightweight division, we have Magomed Mustafev, who is 13-3, taking on Rafael Fiziev, who is 6-0. The opening betting line for this one was Magomed Mustafev as the minus-180 favorite to Fiziev at plus-140. Since then, the line has flipped. We're now seeing Fiziev at minus-125 to Mustafev at plus-105 over on our affiliated sportsbook, Five Dimes. Uh, interesting line movement. Uh, I don't really blame the the people for jumping on the side of Fiziev in this one. I think at plus one forty, he was definitely a good price. But I don't know if I would full on trust him as a favorite in this spot. You know, making his UFC debut, he's only got six pro fights. Uh, mostly a Muay Thai fighter, and he kind of carries over that Muay Thai stance into MMA. He uh, you know has that t- typical uh, you know light on the front leg style, heavy on the back leg, throwing a lot of leg kicks, teeps, knees and elbows. Uh, he's definitely willing to trade in the pocket. You know, he's confident in his chin. He's, um, you know, his defense isn't the best, but and he's got some good power, though. So sometimes when, when an opponent is willing to stand there and trade, he, he is very content to do the same. So that can that could be a problem in this one. You know, um, I don't, Mustafa, I don't really rate his striking too highly, though. You know, uh, he did have a nice uh, strike uh, striking finish over um, Joe Proctor not too long ago with some nice knees. Uh, and kicks in that one, he he really attacked the body of Joe Proctor in that fight. But Mustafev hasn't fought in almost three years. It's been uh, uh, November of 2016 was his last fight. It seems like an eternity ago. And that fight, he actually lost to Kevin Lee in that uh, in that one, pretty pretty decisively too. Kevin Lee really just. Uh, exposed uh, Mustafa's weakness, which is the ground game. Uh, Mustafa got taken down easily. He got his guard passed. He, you know, he got put in some really bad positions. You know, he escaped sometimes. He did, you know, get mounted and then escaped uh, the mount, or he got his back taken and then defended it uh, once or twice. But eventually, Kevin Lee was just nonstop, went back to those takedowns, and ended up getting the back one last time and finishing Mustafa via Runic Choke. So neither of these gentlemen's ground games are too good. I expect this one to be contested mostly on the feet. And when I'm thinking about who's going to be the better striker, I got to go with the Muay Thai specialist. This guy's fought, you know, pro in Thailand before. Spends a lot of time at Phuket Top Team. He uh, is the more active fighter. Uh, you know, Mustafev. I expect to be coming off that two and a half year layoff, coming off a little bit rusty, and I expect uh, Fiziev to, you know, test that chin early and uh, make it a firefight. So I got to side with Fiziev in this one. But in terms of, in terms of, uh. The betting window where the line is at now, I think it's a pass on both ends. I don't think you can trust Fiziev as a favorite, uh, as a dog, you know, or excuse me, I don't think you can trust Fiziev as a favorite, and I don't think there's much value on Mustafev as a dog, but uh, what I'm seeing right now is I'm seeing Fiziev at, on inner tops as plus 125 still. If that's a real line, you guys should jump on that if any of you are on, on that bookie, but um, the pick is going to be Fiziev to get this one done uh, probably by knockout. Um, next fight in the light heavyweight division, we have, oh man, I never looked at this gentleman's first name before, Gazmaradia Antogulov taking on McCall Olachechuk. We're just going to call him Antogulov from now uh, because his first name is just way too long to pronounce. So this this is this is a Russian event, ladies and gentlemen. So don't be uh, don't be surprised to hear some wacky pronunciations on this podcast. So Ola Chechuk opened minus one seventy in this one to Antigulov at plus one thirty. 
Right now, we are seeing more action coming in McCall's way, pushing in to minus 220 to Antigulov at plus 180. So, uh, I think this fight is pretty easy to break down. You know, Antigulov has a few minutes of cardio, honestly. He is looking to take you down. He's looking to sub you as quick as he can because he does. he's very muscular. He does not have good cardio. He doesn't have good striking. And if he cannot take Ola Chechuk down early and tap him out early, I think Ola Chechuk will uh, cruise to victory in this one. Um, you know, it's it's not uh, it's it's still competitive though, because Ola Chechuk's uh, takedown defense isn't the best. You know, we haven't seen much of it in the UFC. You know, we saw him take on Khalil Roundtree, and then uh, you know, not a grappler in any stretch of the means. Then he uh, popped by USADA for a year, and then he came back against John Volante, also not a grappler, and uh, actually knocked out Volante early in that one with a body shot. So we really haven't seen his ground game too much. The last time we saw his ground game was against a gentleman named Tomasz Janiszkowski, Janis uh, some Polish gentleman, who uh, that fight was in 2015, and uh, Tomas was able to take Olechechuk down and hold him down for a couple of rounds in that fight. And, uh, you know... He eventually, uh, you know, let's see, uh, Janis eventually, uh, he eventually gassed out and then, uh, Ola Chechuk finished him in that fight, but still, his, his takedown defense and his ground game was definitely a little bit exposed in that one, so, Antigulov has, a, has an opportunity, a small window to take him down and, uh, tap him out early, because he will be the bigger, uh, fighter in that cage, I think Ola Chechuk is actually a pretty small, uh, light heavyweight. But if he's not able to get uh, Ola Chishuk down and submit him within the first three to five minutes, I think that Ola Chishuk should take over easily. And then uh, if Antugulov doesn't quit and, you know, uh, get TKO'd, I think Ola Chishuk will outstrike him to a decision. But I, I think Ola Chishuk will knock him out eventually, probably in the second round of this one, maybe even the first. Antugulov took Ian Kutaleba down a couple of times, couldn't get the submission, and literally just rolled over and quit in the first round. And, you know, he did eat some big shots and get TKO'd in that one, but he, he quit uh, in that fight. You could tell, you could hear his breathing from the camera. Like, you could hear, like, the cameraman was a couple of feet away, and he you could hear him puffing and puffing. So, uh, the pick in this one is going to be Ola Chechuk. I think his, uh, his takedown defense has improved. He is a smart enough fighter to avoid that takedown of Ansar Gulov, and then he will punish Ansar Gulov on the feet, getting the TKO victory in this one. So, the pick is going to be Ola Chechuk via second-round knockout. Next fight in the heavyweight division, we have Martian Tabura taking on Shamil Abdurmanikov. Uh, Tabura is 17 and 4. Uh, Abdurmanikov is 19 and 4. The opening betting line for this one was Tabura, the favorite, at minus 185 to Abdurmanikov at plus 145. Right now, line margins have tightened up. We're seeing Tabura minus 145 to Shamil at plus 125. So I definitely don't disagree with the odds in this one. Um, these these guys are pretty similar to one another. They, I think that they're both... Uh, Grappling is their specialty for the both of them. I'd say the Tabura has that slight edge in striking. Striking, excuse me. Um, you know they both can strike. They both have you know moments of uh, of success on the feet, but they also uh, you know both uh, can get tagged on the feet from time to time too. So you know uh, Shamil got uh, Shamil got tagged by uh, 
I want to say Stefan Struve, but no, I think that was I think that was Tabura. Tabura got tagged by Stefan Struve uh, by a front kick. You know, uh, Tabura was largely in control of that fight with the wrestling and the takedowns, but um, Tabura, uh, Struve was able to sneak a, a head kick through the guard of Tabura and rock uh, him in the second round of that fight. But Tabura won that fight pretty comfortably. Um, you know, Shamil's looking to take you down. He's looking to catch a kick, take you down, and then just stall on top. You know, he did that against Andrzej Arlovski. He did it against Walt Harris, Anthony Hamilton, a lot of guys. He, he'll he he'll wait on the feet. He'll, he'll let you strike him. He'll catch the kick and then just try to uh, sit on top of you in your guard and maybe win, have a little ground and pound and just win the round. But his fight against Arlovski, absolutely painful to sit through. You know, that one was just such a boring fight. Uh, Abdominikov is doing the least possible to win that fight, but you know he has had lapses of good of uh, striking uh, where he's looked good. You know he knocked out Chase Sherman with a nice some nice punches in that one, but he's also um, Shamil has also lost via the grappling. You know he got taken down, mounted, and then ground and pound by Tim Johnson did not look very helpful off his back at all. To uh, Johnson was able to get that top position and, and pound him out pretty easily in that one. So uh, Tabura is definitely gonna look to uh, to. Uh, replicate that same game plan i'd say tabura has the better wrestling i'd say he's the more uh agile uh the better uh heavyweight definitely he's, he's got the better cardio for sure he actually finished luis tenrique in uh in the third round of their fight after a really uh, grueling type of fight you know a lot of grappling in that fight a lot of back and forth positions and uh tabura still had the cardio to finish henrique in the third round via ground and pound so I give the slight edge to Tabura, you know, he's the only the only uh, problem I can see for Tabura in this one is if he uh, tries to throw kicks on the feet versus uh, Shamil, Shamil's going to catch a kick, dump him on his back, and then uh, sit on top of him for a round, and that's going to set the tone for the whole fight. It's going to be hard for Tabura to, you know, recover after, you know, getting laid on top of by that big body of uh, Shamil. And he could possibly lose the fight if he if he gets taken down one time. So if if Marcin Tabura fights smart, sticks to the boxing on the feet, and you know sets up his takedowns well, uh, keeps top position versus Shamil, I see him winning this fight. If he gets mounted, you know he, he has a good chance of ground and pound TKOing Abdurmanikov in this one. But I don't think that that will happen. I think that it'll be uh, pretty competitive. I think that uh, both guys will you know go back and forth with the takedowns in this one. I see Tabura getting a slight edge, you know, in this one 29 decision type of fight so the pick is going to be Tabura by decision in the next fight in the lightweight division we have Alexander Yakolaev who is 24-9 and 1 taking on Alex Leko de Silva who is 20 and 1 the opening betting line for this one was Yakolaev as the favorite at minus 132 de Silva at minus 110, uh, you know, also a slight favorite in this one. But right now, we are seeing over on Five Dimes, much more money come in on Yakalaya, pushing him down to minus 155. De Silva is up to plus 135 in this one. So, um, right off the bat, uh, De Silva's record says 20 and one, but my my man is 21 and 0. I can tell you that um, pretty confidently. He uh, he got I would say uh, he not would say he got robbed totally versus Jakub uh, Kowalkiewicz, um, but. I'd say it was definitely a bad decision. I thought that uh, Alex Silva won rounds one and three of that fight versus uh, uh, Kowalkiewicz. Um, you know, it's 
he uh, he threatened with an armbar off his back in round one of that fight. You know, he got taken down, but he, he threw up an armbar right away, and it was deep, man. It was really, really deep, and I don't understand how this uh, Jakob Sky arm didn't snap in that uh, armbar, honestly. No, it wasn't, it wasn't the most technically sound armbar. Like, there were a few things he could have done better to finish the armbar, um, just from, like, a you know, a blue belt's perspective in jiu-jitsu, and, you know, just pinching his knees together would have probably done it, but... Uh, uh, he, Kowalkiewicz, uh, uh, withstood that armbar, won rounds two, but I thought Silva came back and won round three. He uh, he dropped Kowalkiewicz uh, with a head kick in that round. Uh, his par- his power and his cardio looked pretty good in uh, that round three versus Kowalkiewicz. So he's uh, picked up a couple uh, p- couple early wins. Uh, you know, most of his wins are by stoppage, um, but he uh, that that fight against Kowalkiewicz proves that he has the cardio to go uh, the fit full fifteen minutes. He can, you know, lose a round. He can come back. He can fight off his back a little bit. He definitely gets taken down too much. You know, he he does not he does not uh, pay much attention to the takedowns. He he definitely can do a, a better job taking uh, defending the takedowns in this one. And that's where Yakulayev is going to look to take this fight for sure. Uh, Yakulayev does have a very good ground game. You know, he he I'd say he outgrappled Gray Maynard in their fight. You know, he. Uh, He's got a very uh, talented ground game. He also can strike, too. He, he had a real nice knockout of um, George Sheldon not too long ago. But another problem with Yakulayev, uh, he fought on the exact same card as, um, uh, what's his name? Homeboy I just talked about, uh, Magomed Mustafab. He hasn't fought in two and a half years. And his last fight was a loss where he looked pretty pretty bad, honestly. He, he was fighting... Um, Zach Cummings in that fight, not exactly the most physically imposing, scary guy, but Yakula fought scared in that fight. He was constantly moving back. He wasn't throwing anything. He looked uncomfortable. He looked like he didn't have much will to win, not much aggression at all, and he he uh, got taken down and submitted by Zach Cummings in that one. Now, Cummings is a black belt. He has good submissions, and it's, and uh, Yakula is hard to submit. You know, he, he had, went to full 15 minutes with Damian Maya before, so... He's the, and Kamara Usman as well. Um, he's going. He's gone the distance with a lot of uh, talented fighters over the course of his career, but uh, you know Zach Cummings was was able to submit him in that one. So, you know it's a tough fight because uh, Leko da Silva is making his UFC debut and Yakulayev hasn't fought in two and a half years. So you got to be weary on the betting window in any uh, situation in this one. I think you know. You know when this fight is over, if you if you you bet on the loser, you're gonna kick yourself. But you know, it's uh it's still an opportunity to, for a bet. I'd say I'd say uh you know it's a 50-50 type of fight. Honestly, I've been I was impressed with De Silva. Uh, you know, twenty one and zero. He's definitely ready for the UFC. Um, he, you know he's he could make some big improvements stepping up to the big show in this one. We've seen guys. You know the, the example I used was uh Julian Paiva. He was an eighteen and zero or nineteen and zero Brazilian fighter. Who I did not rate that highly. I thought his wins weren't over too impressive competition, and I thought that he would uh, come in and get blown out of the water in his debut against Kai Kara France. But he showed the fuck up in that fight and arguably won that fight against France in his home country. So. I think De Silva has a chance of doing the same thing here, showing up in Russia and Yakulayev's home country, uh, and you know seizing this opportunity big time against the guy coming off that two and a half year layoff. You know Yakulayev's getting up there in age; he's 34. He did not look good in his last fight. He had that two and a half year layoff. There's no fucking way you can lay favorite 
chalk on Yak Live in the spot, especially at minus 155. You know, if you were able to get in there where the line opened up, minus 130, you know, I, I get it. But like minus 150, you're, I'm telling you, you're crazy if you're betting that on Yak Live. There's just no way to trust them. Um, so, you know, I could see passing on this fight, but, but when I'm saying the fight is 50-50 and, uh, the odds are saying that one fighter's implied probability are 42.5%, you know, I gotta, I get the bet, Ben Aaron me has to side with, uh, Alex De Silva in this one. So, uh, I'm gonna place a small wager on De Silva. I'm not gonna go out and like advise anybody to do the same, but I'm confident making a small stab in this one. I just think that uh, that that layoff of Yakalayev is gonna be a, a huge uh, deficit for him to overcome, and I think Leko de Silva is the opportunistic, athletic type of fighter to uh, possibly uh, take advantage of the situation. So the pick is gonna be Leko de Silva. Moving on to the next fight, which takes place in the welterweight division we have sultan aliyev who is 14 and 3 taking on kita nakamura who is 34 9 and 2 the opening betting line for this one was sultan aliyev the minus 130 favorite to nakamura as the minus 110 slight underdog in this one right now we are seeing line margins tighten up aliyev at minus 115 to nakamura at minus 105 so pretty much a pick em. It's, uh, according to the odds, the closest fight on the card. And, um, you know, I, I, I would agree. I would say it's a pretty close fight. You know, the, both of these gentlemen aren't, aren't the, you know, the highest level competition. But I'd say they're both solid fighters. Uh, you know, somewhere around the, you know, the middle to low rankings of, of welterweight. So, um, you know, Sultan Aliyev, he's a, you know, strong motherfucker. He, uh, he, he took down uh, Bohan Velokovic. Uh, and he, uh, you know, wrestled him to a decision, just took him down and stalled on top position um, for that entire fight. You know, kind of a wrestle fuck type of fight, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get the win sometimes. And then uh, his last fight against uh, Warley Alves, you know, another boring type of fight. You know, a lot of it was contested against the cage, a lot of clinching, not much striking at distance. And then eventually he ended up get, uh, the, the fight being stopped in between rounds two and three because uh, Sultan Aliyev had a hematoma on his eye the size of a golf ball, man. You know, but by the start of round uh, two to the end of round two, he full-on grew a golf ball out of his eye. So the, the doctors were definitely right in stopping that fight. But, you know, he just didn't show much in that fight. You know, it's hard to get a feel of where his skills are at. The dude has fought, he fought, uh, let's see, um, once in 2014, once in 2015, once in 2016, not at all in 2017, and then once in 2018, going one and two in the past, you know, five years. So... I actually kind of side with Keita Nakamura based on that fact alone because just Sultan Aliyev, he hasn't really showed anything that he's that he's capable of really, you know, going out there and winning a fight at this point in his career. You know, he did, like I said, take down uh, Bohan Velokovic and wrestle fuck him to a decision two and a half years ago. But, you know, what have you done for me lately? Uh, Keita Nakamura, on the other hand, he, he looked pretty good in his last fight against Salim Tuhari. You know, Tuhari is a pretty low-level guy. Um... And, you know, it's not like Nakamura blew him out of the water in that fight, but he won it pretty comfortably, I'd say. He, uh, he's a counterpuncher, he, he, uh, Nakamura. He's pretty low output, you know. He's, he's looking for you to strike first, and then he's looking to uh, counter off of that. He can, uh, he can hit offensive takedowns, and he can box a little bit, too. 
He his boxing defense is not the best though. You know, versus uh, Anthony Rocco Martin, he was getting tagged in that fight. He uh, he got hit with uh, a. a, a I'd say five to ten solid right hands by uh, Rocco Martin. A couple of them rocked him pretty bad. A few of them actually dropped him. And uh, but you know Nakamura, his grappling is really impressive. You know he can hit offensive takedowns. He can chain together takedowns. Uh, and he actually had a really really competitive fight with uh, Zaleski dos Santos, which was mostly contested in the grappling. You know he he lost that fight via unanimous decision. But I thought that you could have you could have arguably given that fight to. Um, to Kita Nakamura, it was that close. You know, I didn't, I didn't score round for round. I, I wasn't watching, you know, 100% with all my focus. So I'm not gonna go out there and say that uh, he should have won that decision. But it was certainly a very, very close contest where you can see uh, how skilled Nakamura is on the ground. And you know, we don't really have uh, much of a, a sense of uh, where Sultan Aliyev's ground the game is. Besides, we don't, his defensive wrestling game. You know, we've seen him. Uh, he uh, win fights on top and when he can get top position and keep it but in terms of getting put on his back we really haven't seen much from him so um you know i'm just gonna slightly side with the guy in nakamura who has been more active who has you know won fights lately who has fought the better competition in the ufc and who has beaten the better competition as well so i think that um you know nakamura uh wins the striking exchanges in this one you know he's got some good boxing and i think that if the fight ends up on the floor i think it will be nakamura in top position you know possibly winning the rounds and you know even getting a submission nakamura has got a lot of submissions on his record and uh it's not totally out of the realm of possibilities that he can get a, a tap in this one so the pick is going to be Nor nakamura probably to get it done by decision next fight in the Featherweight division, we have Mosvar Ivolev taking on Seung Woo Choi. Ivolev is 10-0 and Choi is 7-1. Uh, the opening betting line for this one was Ivolev as the minus 305 favorite to Choi at plus 225. Right now we are seeing Ivolev minus 335 to Choi at plus 275. So... Uh, rightfully so, Ivolev has been an impressive prospect so far. You know, uh, M1 champion. He's got five round experience. He's got an incredible ground game. Uh, I'd say his striking is pretty solid too, but he, his ground game is really where he's most comfortable. He does have moments when he's pretty sloppy on the feet. I will admit that. I, I actually will go out there and see the Choi should be the the the. I wouldn't say far superior striker, but the much better striker in this matchup. Um, you know, Ch uh, Choi's got that Muay Thai style. He's got a really nice front kick. Um, he, he's got decent boxing as well. But uh, his boxing defense, man, it's not good. He, he, it's, he's got a little bit, bit of a predictable type of style. Um, you know where he reflect he reacts to shots in the same type of way so if his opponent is fainting and fainting they might be able to to time that that knockout shot which is what happened in choice uh, lone knockout loss and uh, you know he did go back and avenge that uh, avenge that loss to Jay Woon Kim but in the first round of their fight uh, back in 2017 he got floored with a right hand and knocked out in just 36 seconds into their fights and he eventually did uh, avenge that loss, but it wasn't easy. It was that uh, that loss. I think uh, Wung Kim still had his number in that fight, where uh, and then Wung Kim was able to rock. Uh, 
Troy with a punch, and he got way too overzealous. He rushed in, and Troy hit him with a, a counter punch right on the button and put his lights out with one shot. So Troy's definitely got some power in his hands, and uh, you know I, I'm been impressed with his kicking style as well. And uh, you know his ground game is is fairly unknown though. We saw him have some offensive grappling, a little bit of stuff takedowns in his fight versus a gentleman named Rocky Lee. Um, that was in I think his third. Yeah, his fourth pro fight, and uh, you know he he looked pretty decent in that one. He defended a, a grappler's takedowns, and he was able to win the fight uh, in the striking realm with that fight. So the only problem is I do not think the Troy, no matter how good his ground game is, you know, even though we haven't seen it, it's gonna be tough for him to stop the takedowns of Evolev. Evolev is you know relentless with the takedown. He's got he's got some judo takedowns. He he is he can take you down in a. a plethora of different ways whether it's throws or trips or double legs single legs is he can chain takedowns together he can scramble like crazy he can take your back he can go top position he'll hit you with some powerful ground and pound man this this watching this gentleman on tape has been a pleasure man i'm telling you his his grappling is already up there with some of the best in the ufc and uh, I can definitely see Evolev being a problem at 145. You know, saying that without having the dude not even seen seen him fight in the UFC yet, I'm I'm actually gonna make the claim and say that he could be a top 10 featherweight by the end of the year if he gets a couple more fights in. Now, uh, Evolev, I'm pretty sure all his all his fights have been in Russia. Um, which is not a good sign, you know. I like to see him get get out of Russia, uh, you know, travel around the world and start, uh, you know, make sure his visas are all in check and make sure he can, you know, become a star in the UFC. Because we've seen a lot of Russian guys who've had great careers, who've had incredible talents, but they don't have that visa and they they're they're stuck fighting one or two times a year in Japan or in Russia or in Germany or you know Poland. They're not getting that exposure they need from getting in that American and you know going to Brazil or going wherever. So hopefully. Evolev uh, gets out of uh, Russia and starts fighting all around the globe soon, but I think that uh, this fight will be if it's on if it's on the feet, I think it'll be close. But I don't expect it to be on the feet much. I think Evolev will close the distance pretty much right away and look to take Troy down and control this fight on the floor. And no matter where you know if Troy tries getting back up to the feet, I think Evolev will scramble and take his back. You know, um, it's just going to be a tough task for Evolev to, or for Troy to defend the the grappling of Evolev. You know, uh, Troy's best shot is to, you know, try to knock out Eve 11 round one. You know, while the fight starts on the feet, he's got to make his shots count, and he's got to try to rock Eve 11 early, because if not, he should be in for a, a rough night of grappling. So the pick is going to be Eve 11. Let's get this one done. Uh, by, let's go by a second round submission in this one. All right, we have already made it to the main card portion of the UFC Russia card, and we are starting things off in the middleweight division. We got Christoph Jotko, who is 19 and four, taking on Alan Ahmedokovsky, who is eight and zero. The opening betting line for this one was Jotko minus 130 to Ahmedovsky at minus 110. Since then, a lot more money coming in. Christoph Jotko's way, pushing him down to minus 175 while Amadovsky is up to plus 155 in this one. It's pretty surprising. You know, I think Jocko, you know, Jocko's coming off of three losses in a row, you know, not against stiff competition nonetheless, but he hasn't looked that impressive in those fights. You know, the Dave Branch fight was an absolute snoozer, you know, push against the cage, clinch fest. Uriah Hall, he dropped Hall early in that fight. Uh, looked like he was on his way to winning via knockout. And... You know, Hall was able to recover, 
And Hall knocked him out in the second round with a massive overhand right. You know, absolutely floored Jotko and, you know, put him out. And then in his most recent fight against Brad Tavares, another fight where he just looked lackluster. You know, he hasn't fought in a year. He got he finished in the third round of that fight. Um, and then, you know, it just never looked like he was uh, too aggressive in there. That, that fight with Brad Tavares was just a very low output, um, push against the cage type of fight. Uh, so he, but Jocko, you know, he can, uh, hit offensive takedowns. He definitely has a good ground game. He, he has f flash moments on the feet where he looks good. Like when he knocked down Uriah Hall and, uh, he can, uh, he can defend a takedown pretty well against the cage. But, um, when he throws his kicks, that's when he gets taken down. You know, he, he, uh, that's what happened to him against, uh, Tavares. Um, you know, he, Tavares just caught a leg kick and put him on his back in that one. But he has uh, some good, uh, good sub defense, and he's got good ground and pounds. So Jocko is definitely, uh, you know, a flawed fighter in some aspects. But he also, he do also does a lot of things right. And he's been in the UFC for a while. He's struggled lately, like I said, on that three fight win streak. But before that, he was on a, a six and one run in the UFC, beating some uh, pretty stiff competition along the way too. So um, Jocko is definitely going to be looking to get back on track in this one. But he's facing uh, Ahmedovsky, who's making his UFC debut. Man, taping this guy was weird. Uh, he's he's got a lot of weird fights, you know, where his opponents either get knocked out early or they get an injury. There's one fight with uh, I think the guy's name was Bader Madoth, and he the guy throws a leg kick at him 15 seconds into the fight, and he he tears his knee out of the socket or something like that. And he looks at the ref and he says, "I'm done." He 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 spins around throwing the leg kick and it just tears his knee right out the socket or something like that. Just a hilarious fight, you know. Uh, and he's fought very low competition, you know. 0 and 5, 0 and 1, 3 and 0, 0 and 0. His best win was over a guy named Ibrahim Main, uh, which was a, a 12 second knockout in that one. So it's it's uh you know he's definitely got some power you know he, we've seen him floor dudes with some with some shots on the feet uh we've seen him hit some uh some offensive takedowns too you know he he's he's strong man he this guy will muscle you to the ground um and he he can he can smash you with some ground and pound and he also uh can uh, throw some subs off off of his back when he if he gets taken down i forget which fight he got taken down in but uh you know i wrote that in my notes and it says he has some subs off his back so we're gonna assume that he does um I don't think that he will be the one to submit Jocko in this one. You know, it's it's just a tough type of fight, you know, where one guy's making his UFC debut, one guy's coming off of three losses in a row. There's actually a couple fights in, in this uh, on, in this card like that. Like, I've been mentioning them already. The uh, Yakolaev and De Silva fight and the Mustafa and uh, Fizia fight are two fights where guys coming off long layoffs and uh, facing a guy who's coming off of a UFC debut. So these fights are hard to pick, man. It's definitely hard to be confident when you're laying chalk on uh, debuting fighters or guys who haven't looked good in so long in this one. So, you know, this is definitely going to be a dog or pass type situation. I don't think you can trust Jocko at minus 175, uh, you know, in this spot. Uh, he hasn't won a fight in so long, you know. It's just uh, it's just going to be tough to trust him at that much of a favorite price. And uh, Amadovsky's coming here, uh, you know, probably off coming off of that good cycle not too long ago. And uh, he's going to be coming in here muscle, muscle to the motherfucking gills. And he's going to be looking to uh, either... I'd say he's probably going to try to take Jocko down and then try to ground and pound Jocko in this one. You know, I think that Jocko doesn't like getting hit. You know, he's kind of... Uh, 
a chinny type of fighter so uh, Amadovsky's gonna look to test that chin early and try to get him Jocko out of there but he could definitely gas out you know we have not really seen him go the distance he hasn't fought past round two actually so uh, Jocko is going to be looking to take this one uh, into the deeper later rounds. He's looking to take Amadovsky down, put him on his back, and you know uh, neutralize him. And I think that that's what, what will end up happening. I think Jocko will probably win this one via that grinding, uh, boring, push against the cage, clinchy type of fight. And he'll win and want this one 29-28. Uh, but, you know, Russian judges, you never know in this one. So I would not leave it in the hand of, hands of the judges. But uh, this, I'm going to slightly lean with Jocko in this one. But in terms of the betting window, I'd say plus 155. You know, if you're uh, you're in the daredevil type of mood, I wouldn't uh, talk you down off a ledge on uh, playing, uh, making a small play on uh, Amadovsky in this one. So pick is going to be Jocko. Next fight in the women's flyweight division, we have Antonina Shevchenko, who is seven and zero, taking on Roxanne Modafari, who is twenty-two and fifteen. The opening betting line for this one was Shevchenko at minus three eighty-five to Modafari at plus two sixty-five. Right now, we are seeing Shevchenko minus three fifty to Modafari at plus two ninety. So definitely two-way action coming in on this fight. Um, you know, uh, a lot of I'd say a lot of dog money is coming in on uh, Matafari just because she's uh, she's got a little more. You know, both of them have got got a little bit of name recognition. You know, because um, Matafari is you know obviously a veteran, been in the game for you know uh, fifteen so years, and Shevchenko uh, obviously is the sister of um, the the champion Valentina Shevchenko. <laughs> Uh, one of the most uh, popular fighters on the roster. And, you know, both of these women are straight-up veterans. Even though Shevchenko uh, has only seven fights, she's been fighting since 2002. Uh, her MMA debut was in 2002. Who knows when she made her kickboxing debut? Maybe before that. Uh, Madafara making her uh, MMA debut in 2003. So these, these women have been around. Um, with that being said, though, you know, none of them are, neither of them are at, you know, elite level of uh, MMA, I'd say. They both, um, you know, I'd say Matafari has, uh, is is less technical. You know, I'd say Shevchenko is, you know, the, by far the better striker. Uh, and I'd say Matafari is by far the better grappler. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see where this type of fight plays out. Um, Shevchenko, her, her Muay Thai, man, is, is great. Her, her clinch... Her kicks, she snaps high kicks up like wicked fast, you know. Uh, I think she might even throw high kicks better than her sister. Um, you know, Shevchenko is more of like a body kick, a leg kick. Or excuse me, Valentina is more of like a body kick, a leg kick type of girl. Like, likes spinning kicks a lot. But uh, Shevchenko will, will whip up a high kick really nice, those question mark kicks. And her her tie clinch, man. She she uh, her, her opponent uh, Nivara on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, man. Shevchenko got that tie plum, and Nivara just could not get out of that. Shevchenko would just brutalized her in the clinch. Um, you know, Nivara was trying to take that fight to the ground, which is what Montefiore is going to do. And um, Shevchenko is able to easily stuff the takedowns in Nivara, but those takedowns by, by Nivara were were very poorly set up. They did not have much, you know, drive behind them. They didn't have much momentum behind them. I think that Montefiore sets up her shots much better and has better wrestling than Nivara. So don't don't take that fight, you know, too seriously. So uh, Montefiore, her striking, man, it's weird, you know. Uh, 
<laughs> Jimmy Smith described it as herky-jerky type of style. Man, that's a great way to describe it. You know, she's constantly, like, moving her body in a weird way and, you know, jerking her shoulders around and moving her head in all different types of spots. You know, she's trying to use head movement, but she doesn't really have much, you know, real technique behind her boxing. Um, you know, a Barb Honchak was actually landed some uh, some decent punches on her before Montefiore was able to take her down, mount her, and then pound her out with elbows in that fight. So, Montefiore is definitely going to be looking to take this fight to the floor. You know, she's got the better ground game uh, for sure. She she's got uh, good takedowns, got good top pressure. She can hit ta uh, she can hit submissions, and she can use some ground and pound too. To you know, her her top mount, her pressure is really good. So if she's you know, even though the shots against Hornchok weren't the most devastating ground and pound shots, when you're on top and you're landing 30 elbows to your opponent's head while they're covering up, you know, that you you're forcing the refs to stop that fight. So, you know, Shevchenko can definitely get stuck on bottom like that in this situation. I think that um, if Shevchenko does not play this one extremely smart on the feet, then there's a good chance that she does get taken down and she loses this fight via, you know, Montefiore having the, the edge in grappling. But if, Chanko, if Shevchenko uh, uses her Muay Thai to fight to the smartest of her abilities, I think she, she will win this fight. She'll use her teep kick and her, uh, you know, her body kicks, head kicks to stay at distance. Um, try not to get her kicks uh, caught by uh, Matafari and, um, you know, get taken down that one. But if she, she jabs her way. She's constantly moving back and throwing teeps and staying out, out of range, staying at kicking range. I think Shevchenko definitely has the ability to win this fight. But in the betting window, man, if you're laying that minus 350 chalk on a, a, a fighter who's 1-0 in the UFC, man, you're crazy. She beat Ji Young Kim, man. Anybody listening to this podcast can beat Ji Young Kim in a fight. No disrespect, uh, Mrs. Kim. I know you're an avid listener, but, you know, minus 350, she's actually a bigger favorite in this fight than she was versus Jion Kim, man. How dare you disrespect Roxanne Matafari like that? You know, she's uh, the cosplay queen has been in this sport for, for decades. You can't disrespect her at plus 290 at that. So I definitely don't don't uh, diss a stab at Matafari. I actually think it's worth it to stab at her at these, you know, almost three to one odds for Shevchenko in this one. So I do uh, think Shevchenko should be the favorite, maybe minus 200. I, I would get, you know, Roxanne plus 170 seems more appropriate, but plus 290, man, I, that's a value bet all day on uh, Matafari. So the pick is going to be Shevchenko by uh, decision, but I would not surprise me at all if Matafari uh, wins this one. She can win it in more ways too. I think she can, like I said, she can take uh, get that stop that ground and pound stoppage like she did versus Hanchuk. She can maybe take Shevchenko's back or look for an armbar from Mount, or uh, Matafari can just win uh, three rounds with their grappling on top of control and win that decision. So uh, I like Matafari's chances in this one. I'm definitely going to be rooting for her to pull off the upset. Next fight in the light heavyweight division, we got Dev Clark who is nine and three taking on Ivan. Shaitkrov, who is 16-0-1. The opening betting line for this one was Shaitkrov, the minus 185 favorite to Clark at plus 145. Since then, line margins have tightened up on five dimes a little bit. We're seeing Shaitkrov at minus 160 to Clark at plus 140. Now, this Shaitkrov guy is one of the one of the biggest human specimens that have come into the UFC in the past couple of years. This dude is absolutely juiced to the gills. No doubt about it, man. You can, this guy's neck is is six inches thick. 
I'm, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, from, you know, ear to ear. I'm not talking about how a normal person's neck is six inches wide. I'm talking about like the, the back of his neck is six inches raised off his shoulders. It's, it's, look up Ivan Shaitkov on Google right now and tell me, and tell me this dude isn't on, on all the sauce. Um, he's been tested by USADA two times. You know, he, it, this is his UFC debut. He, uh, you know, probably got hit that last cycle in 2018 before coming over to the UFC and then, uh, you know, getting all his, uh, getting everything out of his system before this fight. Uh, his last win was uh, over Thiago Silva, UFC veteran, uh, in December of last year. And he actually armbarred Thiago Silva, you know, who was a, you know, well-established grappler of his own right. And, you know, impressive, impressive victory in that one. So, Shedkrab, man, he's got some skills. He's he's definitely no slouch. D despite the fact that he's, you know, juiced to the gills, doesn't mean, doesn't, I'm not taking away anything from the guy. I actually think it plays in his favor. Because uh, he, he can hit offensive takedowns. He can, you know, smash you with ground and pound. Uh, and he can uh, he can knock you out on the feet as well. You know he he throws with massive massive power. But you know there's there's also a lot of red flags about Shaykhov. Let me tell you that. So the, he's 30 years old first of all, but he looks 38. You know that's what a lifetime worth of juicing will do to you. Uh, he gassed out, he gassed out hard versus Jermino Dos Santos. You know w watch that fight, Ivan Shaykhov versus Jermino Dos Santos. What a fun fucking fight that was. Um, Shaitkrov hit him with some spinning elbow in the first round that absolutely floored Dos Santos. Looked like he was going to knock him out. And then he gassed out hard in the second round, and Dos Santos was able to win the second and third rounds in that fight. And that fight actually went to a draw. So that's Shaitkrov's uh, one winless fight in, on his record. And that fight showed a lot about him. That, that he, If he doesn't get that early knockout or that early submission, he's in trouble. Uh, you know he does have he does have some you know some uh, decision wins on his record. I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, you know over some some decent competition as well. Some guys some guys with really good records, but they're all type of like journeyman type of fighter. You know Christian and Boom uh, and Boom Boo uh, twenty one and eight. You know Rodney Wallace twenty six and thirteen. Uh, Antonio Silva nineteen and ten. You know type of guys who are around the sport forever have a lot of wins, a lot of losses. Um, so, but, the, but, you know, beating them is no walk in the park either, but most of his wins are over, you know, over the hump type of fighters, you know, Fabio Maldonado, Thiago Silva. I think that Devin Clark is going to be, uh, probably one of the tougher opponents that Shaitgrov has come across in his career. You know, Clark is n nowhere, nowhere near, you know, a high level opponent by any means, but I think that he's going to pr present some problems for Shaitkov in this one. I think that, uh, you know, we haven't seen Shaitkov, uh, defense, we, Actually, we have seen him defensive grapple, and it did not look good. Dos Santos was able to take him down in round two, and you know keep keep Shaitkov on his back in that round. And Shaitkov was just so gassed out that he couldn't do anything about it. So, regardless of how this fight goes, man, look up Dev Clark round three or round two of the props right now on uh, five dimes. Let's actually put let's see what the odds are on them. Oh yeah, the odds makers know. Uh, round two plus seven seventy five. Round three plus fourteen hundred. Man. Those are, you know, those are certainly worthy stabs because if, 
if Clark is able to um, withstand that early storm of Shaitkov, uh, then I think that he could really take over this fight rounds two and three with his wrestling, you know, just taking uh, Shaitkov down, putting him on his back and keeping him there. You know, uh, Clark has won fights via WrestleFuck before, you know, against dangerous strikers, too. He, in that fight against uh, Mike Rodriguez, man, uh, he, he took him down and won a unanimous, unanimous decision and pretty much just WrestleFucking him in that fight. So, um, he, he has struggled sometimes, though, versus Jan Blachowicz. He got... He got rocked with a punch in that one. He also got rocked in the fight versus Alexander Rejic. Uh, you know, he tends to... Clark doesn't have bad striking. You know, he wings shots. He, he hits hard. But he, and he actually can rock his opponents a couple times too. He actually looked like he hit uh, Blahovich uh, and Rachich with some good shots that might have him stunned. But after he hits you, he has no composure. He he sees that he hurts you and he rushes in with his hands low and his chin up, and then he gets countered himself. That's the exact same thing that happened versus uh, Rachich and with uh, Blahovich. You know, he hurt them. He th he rushed in, then he got hurt himself, and then he got either tapped out or finished um, via strikes. So. If, uh, if this one is on the feet and Clark lands that early punch, and look for him to rush in and get countered and put out by Shaitkov. Um, but, you know, if I expect Shaitkov to come out blitzing early in this one um, and, you know, looking to get Rechich out of there in the first round. But I don't think he's going to do it, man. I don't think that Shaitkov really has the composure, uh, has the technique. Uh, or you know, um, you know, or the, just the overall skill to uh, to get uh, Clark out of there in the first round. I think that Clark will still be there in rounds two, and I think that Clark will either take over uh, rounds two or and three and win a decision, or he will finish Shaitkov in rounds two or round three of this fight. So. Um, you know, Shaitkov definitely has a path to victory. It's going to be that early, that early finish via uh, submission or via. Um, uh, knockout. He he would probably look to take Clark down, and you know look to get a submission or look to get a some a ground and pound finish in this one. But Clark's got that good wrestling base. I don't think he's going to be easy to take down. I think, like I said, he will be one of the harder opponents that Shaykov has had to face. And I think that Shaykov will uh, lose his UFC debut in this one. But if I were Dev Clark, man, I would be chasing that finish heavy in rounds two and three because I would not want to let uh, Shedkov have a, a, an impressive round one and then I slightly edge rounds two and three and then I think I win a decision but then I get screwed by the Russian judges. So uh, Clark better chase that finish if he's on top in rounds two and three. The next fight is taking place in the heavyweight division where we have Sergey Polovich, who is 12-1, taking on Marcelo Golm, who is 6-2. The opening betting line for this one opened up Polovich, the minus 300 favorite, to Marcelo Golm at plus 220 right now over on our affiliated sportsbook five dimes. We are seeing Polovich minus 255 to Golm at plus 215. So, um... Marcelo Gomes actually bounced up to plus 250 at one point in this fight, man. I really don't get it, man. I'm going to go out and just say it right now. Marcelo Gomes should be the favorite in this fight. Um, I don't I don't uh, advise plays too much. I don't tell you who to bet. I try to, you know, just give you my opinion on everything. I don't, you know, tell you bet on this person or don't bet on this person. But uh, I actually do say I, I do say don't bet on this person a lot. But I don't go out there and tell you what to do with your money uh, often. But in this spot, Marcelo Gomes, man, I, I definitely advise you to go in your sports book and to place a little wager on Marcelo Gomes. And let me explain why. Uh, in Sergey Polovich's Russian fights, man, he fought in Russia uh, in you know, the ACB promotion, the Fight Nights Global promotion, and 
he looked great. Um, actually, mostly Fight Night Global, not ACB, excuse me. He looked great. He was knocking people out. He, he looked fit. He was muscular. He was had a six-pack. He was throwing crisp, clean punches with real power behind him. He was patient. You know, he was waiting for opportunities to present themselves and then capitalizing on them. He looked great coming in. He came in uh, to his fight against Alistair Overeem in his UFC debut and was, uh, what was what were the odds in that fight? Uh, let me think. It was, he was close. Uh, for some reason, they don't have, they don't have it on best fight odds. But I want to say Polovich was a slight underdog in that one. Let, let's pull it up on uh, best fight odds. The line closed as Pulovich as actually a favorite over Alistair Overeem. So, you know, I understand why that happened. It wasn't the most absurd thing that happened. It's because the great the guy looked great on the regionals, right? Or not the the Russian scene, right? He looked great. He looked muscular. He, his wrestling looked good. His his power looked good. His boxing, and uh, Overeem was just taken down and pounded out by Curtis Blades not that long ago. He had the the loss, the knockout loss to. Um, Francis Ngannou, people were questioning his chin, and people were laying that chalk on Polovich. But if you watch the Polovich that showed up in that Alistair Overeem fight, it's almost a completely different person. The fight starts, and Polovich is is immediately he's not looking for he's not looking to counter strike, he's not looking for opportunities, he's looking to throw first against the world champion, world class kickboxer Alistair Overeem. He's throwing you know some pitter patter punches out there. The punches had way less like pop behind them. They were way less technical. You know, they were kind of he was kind of winging them out there. They were kind of just bouncing off of Overeem's guard. They weren't close to hitting them at all. Maybe Polovich landed one one punch in the, the punches that he threw, and you know that was just that was immediately that was a red flag. It's like okay, he's not fighting the same type of style that he was. He's not being you know he's not picking his shots. And then he he got he, you could hear him breathing after two three minutes in in on the microphones from a few feet away and the dude was wheezing in in, in breath it sounded like he he was already gassing out uh, two to three minutes into the fight. Then he gets you know uh, taken down by Alistair Overeem, and then he he's completely hopeless off his back. He doesn't really try to move at all. He doesn't try to get up. He doesn't try to scramble. He stays on his back. Alistair Overeem passes his guard, and Alistair Overeem smashes him with some ground and pound. And I'm talking smashes him, like with some absolutely brutal, brutal ground and pound, where you can hear it, hear the fist bouncing off his face from the camera. Just like it's the camera is one foot away from where you the the hammer fists are just bouncing off his face. Pretty late stoppage as well. Polovich took a ton of damage in that fight. Now I don't know if Polovich was sick. I don't know if he was, you know, he had crazy anxiety on his first UFC fight and he just wanted to try to get it out of it and get it over with as soon as he could, but he looked awful in that fight. He looked stiff, he looked scared, he didn't fight to a game plan. He didn't uh, have show any aggression really, he didn't show any willingness to get off his back. His cardio looked bad. There's just a million reasons why uh, Polovich looked bad in that fight. And honestly, I think it's cuz the dude was coming off of steroids, you know? He was he was juiced up. He was Muscular as fuck. He had a six pack. He came in with a gut. He had less muscle. He looked. He looked. He looked out of shape. You know. Uh, so I think that he he was coming in to that USADA testing pool. He got off of the steroids, and then he looked super super average in that fight. Now that's enough about uh, Polovich. Uh, in his fights, uh, now we're talking with his opponents against Marcelo Gomes. 
Um, Marcelo Gomes has got decent boxing. You know, he's t only 26 years old. He's only got eight pro fights. He's got decent boxing. He uh, he has a really nice calf kick too. His last fight against Arjun Buller, he was brutalizing Buller's calf with that leg kick. He, you know, you uh, know, if you, you know, I would say he almost won that fight, Gomes, even though he did lose that fight and you know, not a robbery by any means. He uh, he came up a little bit short, but he definitely had his moments in that fight. He landed some good punches on Bueller, and he was really, really hurting Bueller with that leg kick. You know, Bueller could barely walk. He really neutralized Bueller's wrestling a lot. Um, he defended the takedowns a lot better. In the first two rounds of that fight, Bueller was trying to take Golem down, but Golem wasn't really letting him. His takedown defense was, was uh, standing strong, and he was using good movement to uh, avoid the avoid the clinch with Golem. And then Golem broke his foot in round two, throwing those leg kicks, and then eventually got taken down and held down in round three, and he lost the fight from that point on. But, you know, he, he fought good, you know. He was fighting a dangerous wrestler. He he fought Tim Johnson. He got taken down, and he couldn't get off his back, and he lost that fight via decision. And he did learn some stuff from that. He definitely improved his takedown defense a little bit. He fought with a smart game plan against a wrestler, trying to take out his lead leg so he couldn't have as much spring in his step when he was going for those takedowns. He's definitely improving. And like I said, at 26 years old, there's no reason why he shouldn't. The dude is still young. He's still... Yeah, a sponge wrench for information. He still should be getting a lot better. Well, we have no idea how old Polovich is, man. He he does not look young. He he looks like he's getting up there in age. Maybe you know, uh, 33 at the youngest, maybe. Um, and he, I just don't think he's really improving. I actually think he's declining very rapidly in his fight. You know, from if you want, like I said, I I just went into it for three or four minutes. But watch his fight against that side in the Kinov guy. Back in 2017, and then a year later against Overeem, he looks completely, completely different. So, you know, at, and after getting knocked out brutally in that last fight, I can't see him looking much better in this fight. So, the, the, that being said, the fact that Golem is a 2-1 to underdog in this spot is absolutely ridiculous to me. Even if Polovich wins this fight, it's he's not going to look minus 255. I think that you should go uh, look on your sportsbook right now. Put down some units on Marcelo Golm because uh, I think the Golm is winning this fight. I think that he's going to be calf kicking Polovich early. I, I think he's going to be uh, hitting uh, Polovich with some shots on the feet. And I think that he will probably TKO Polovich uh, with with his boxing. If not, he will probably outstrike Polovich to a decision. I, I just don't think that. Uh, Polovich will have enough spring in his step to get the takedowns. I don't think his boxing will present many problems for Golem. And I think that Golem will control this fight. He will be looking to kick that calf of Polovich again. If it's, he's successful with that, I think he actually will knock Polovich out. Um, just Polovich will not be able to avoid the offense of Golem. And uh, Golem will eventually test that chin. So the pick is going to be Golem to get this one done. In the co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division, we have Islam Makhachev, who is 16-1, taking on Arman Sartsukin, who is 13-1. The opening betting line for this one was Makhachev, minus 475, to Sartsukin at plus 325. We are now seeing over on our affiliated sportsbook, Five Dimes, Makhachev, minus 330 to Sartsukin at plus 270 so definitely two-way action coming in this fight but a little more way a little more on the way of Tartsukin and I don't disagree at all um, you know Tartsukin is making his UFC debut in this fight but he, he looks game man uh, you know he's he, he's I have a tough test for his first fight let me tell you that Islam Makachev one of the best grapplers in the UFC 
He's on a uh, you know four fight win streak. He's five and one in the UFC. His sole loss coming by way of a knockout to Adriana Martins. Uh, that loss was almost four years ago. But let's uh, uh, so um, just getting into the the favorites uh, end of things first. Makachev's got you know. Just incredible takedowns, man. Incredible takedowns, top control. He's he's got uh, just a, a incredible understanding of the grappling in all aspects, you know, in submissions, in in takedowns, in position, in scrambles. You know, he he's great. He's a you know an absolute pleasure to watch. He's got good cardio. He can grapple the full three rounds. And he's also got good striking too. He's definitely improving the striking. You know, you saw that in the knockout of Gleison Tebow, man. He knocked out Gleison Tebow stiff with one overhand left hand. And, you know, that's the first time we saw that from Tebow before. We never, we always saw Tebow go to that striking. Uh, we actually saw him have trouble in the striking aspect of things like he did, like versus Adriano Martins. But versus Tebow, man, he looked massively improved and he absolutely floored Tebow across the octagon with that left hand. So. Look for Makachev striking to be improving in this one, and you know it's gonna be uh this one's gonna be interesting because Tartukin's ground game has impressed me. You know he we haven't seen him uh you know do too much uh defensive grappling. You know in his fight against Junior Sunsao, he did get taken down, but he uh, he bounced his way back up to the feet in that one. Um, and another worrisome uh, part of his grappling is in that same fight with Sunsao. He went for a takedown. It looked like uh, Asuncao defended a little bit, and then um, Tarsukin muscled his way to the takedown. You know, he didn't he didn't use that technical wrestling that he should have. He kind of just used that last little bit of muscle to try to get the takedown, and Asuncao was able to reverse the takedown and get full mount on Tarsukin. And uh, luckily for Armand, it was at the end of the round, and uh, Asuncao did not get much damage off with it. But Tartsukin was in a bad spot there. So I think that, uh, you know, although Tartsukin has good grappling, he has, uh, you know, hit a lot of takedowns on tape. He, uh, you know, has a lot of good uh, top control on, on tape as well. Uh, I just think that, that Islam Makachev will be one step ahead of the grappling in this fight, uh, you know, pretty much at all times. He, uh, but uh, Tartsukin will should make this one interesting on the feet, you know. He uh, he's got real nice head kicks, fast head kicks. His actually his most recent win over Felipe Oliveira uh, was uh, by way of head kick in the third round too, after a grappling heavy fight. So his cardio is on point. I'd say he's fought some pretty tough competition. He's definitely had no walk in the park, uh, making his way up to the UFC. And uh, it's a shame that they're giving him such a tough test in, in Makachev, but I think he will be game. You know, I think that he could possibly steal one round in this one. It's not like Makachev is, uh, although like, I did go on about how incredible his grappling was, it's not like he's 100% dominant in all of his fights. His fight with Chris Wade actually was actually a fairly competitive grappling fight where Wade was able to defend the, the submissions of Makachev. He was able to reverse position. He was able to sweep Makachev off of some bad positions, and it made that fight really competitive. Now, Makachev was a step ahead in that fight, but I expected that 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 will how this fight will uh, will go similarly. Uh, Tartukin will be game on the ground. He will, you know, uh, obviously be very skilled and aware of what is uh, what attacks are coming his way on the ground. But I think that Makachev will be a slight step ahead the entire time. Now, if the fight goes on the uh, is contested on the feet for a good amount of time, I'll be really interested. I think that I, I think that Tartukin actually uh, might make this fight interesting if it stays on the feet. 
And if his takedown defense is good enough to, you know, he's able to scramble out of uh, the Makachev's takedown defense and keep his fight on the feet, man, it'll get real interesting quick. Maybe look for a live bet. If Makachev is not able to get the his grappling off going early, look for a live betting uh, opportunity on Sartsyukin because he could possibly uh, look to, you know, possibly score a knockout on the feet in this one. He's he's got that he's got good cardio. He's gotten uh, late knockouts in the fight before. Uh, one thing I would say about Sartukin that is going to be something to look out for in this fight is his spinning attacks, man. This dude loves spinning attacks. And I'm not saying that he's going to knock out Makachev with a spinning attack. I'm saying that he's going to get taken down off of that spinning attack. You know, he throws, he loves it, man. The spinning back uh, kick to the body or the spinning back fist. Makachev will time that shit. He'll be watching that shit on tape. And he will, uh, you know, he'll watch your feet. And then the second you put those feet in position, he's no, he's he'll know you're going to spin and he will blast that double leg by the time uh your back is turned to him so look out for that one in this fight i would definitely advise chartukin to try to avoid the spinning attacks in this one you know try to just uh sprawl and brawl in this one and try to keep this fight on the feet and i'd say that's where he has the best chance of winning this one but i expect it to be competitive um, I would not lay chalk on Makachev at plus three or minus three thirty. Excuse me. Um, you know, I wouldn't. I, I'm not personally going to be laying that. Uh, making any stabs on Sartukin at plus two seventy. You know, if you were able to get him at plus three twenty five or something, you know, that's that's great. But you know, even though there's not that much of a difference in the value right now, I would say it's a it's a pass on the Sartukin dog line in this one. I'm just expecting a, a great grappling. Uh, uh, extent excuse me a great grappling fight in this one and uh hopefully maybe a live betting opportunity as well so uh the pick is going to be makashev to get this one via decision uh 29 28 we have arrived at the main event of the evening in the heavyweight division we have alistar overeem who is 44 and 17 taking on Alexei olenek who is 57 11 and 1 the opening betting line for this fight was Overeem, the minus 245 favorite to Alexei Olenek as the plus 175 underdog. We're now seeing Overeem minus 250 to Olenek minus, or excuse me, Olenek as that plus 210. So two-way action coming out on this fight. I would say more in the favor of Overeem and rightfully so. You know, this is, uh, you know, Olenek's kind of a one-trick pony. You know, I'd say that uh i'm not 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 trying to brag but if i if i could game plan a fighter for olenek i'd imagine it'd be pretty easy for that fighter to execute the game plan you know mark hunt had that had that game plan executed to a t before he just he slipped up man he he was he's just not quick enough uh to execute that type of game plan you need to beat olenek at this point in his career you know Olenek is an absolutely dangerous grappler, man. He's got 45 submissions or something. Something absolutely insane. But on the feet, man, Olenek is, is as bad as it gets in the UFC. He He's a slow, plotty type of fighter where he marches forward. He has bad defense. He leans one way. Like, it's very predictable to hit him, you know. If you any type of high level striker can see that he's leaning his head a certain direction every time they faint, and I expect Overeem to knock out Olenek actually fairly easily in this fight. You know, um, and uh, Olenek's last fight against Mark Hunt, he was getting his leg chewed up. He he marches forward and he doesn't check leg kicks, and uh, you know Mark Hunt was shutting his leg down with that calf kick early. I expect Overeem to do the same thing in this fight. 
Um, you know, Olenek does march forward and, you know, he throws wild strikes. He, and sometimes he, he will he will connect on your chin. And he actually did versus Mark Hunt. He landed a, a left hook marching forward on Ol uh, on Mark Hunt. And that actually was the beginning of the end for Mark Hunt in that one. Olenek hit him with a left hook and then uh, he threw another strike and Mark Hunt stumbled a little bit and he lost his balance. And then uh, Olenek was able to get him down in a scramble, take his back and choke him out in that one. So it proves that even if Olenek's leg is getting chewed up and even if he got hit with some bombs on the feet, he's not out of the fight, man. This dude's got a hell of a chin on him. He's tough as fuck. He's had 60 MMA fights. You're not going to get him out of there easy. And, uh, you know, but I, I definitely think that Overeem has the style and the game plan, the IQ to uh, to beat Olenek in this spot. One of the best kickboxers that's ever fought in MMA. He's got solid takedown defense. He's got really good ground to pound. You know, his last fight against Polovic, he looked great. He avoided all the attacks of Polovic, took him down, and just passed his guard and smashed him e easily. Uh, you know, he can, he can, he's really good at catching kicks too. I think that's actually how he got Polovic in that fight. He's, he caught a kick and he dumped him on his back. I don't expect Olenek to be throwing too many kicks. I actually expecting Olenek to be the one looking to catch the kicks, you know, looking to catch the, the leg kick of Overeem and maybe put Overeem on his back. But Olenek's so slow and, you know, so old. He's, his takedowns, you can see coming from a mile away. He doesn't really set them up. He's not, you know, he does not blast in double legs or anything like that, like Curtis Blades. Um, that's where Overeem got taken down when, you know, a powerful, explosive wrestler like Curtis Blades is able to take him down. Olenek is not that type of guy. Uh, and Overeem actually has great, great jiu-jitsu as well. I expect, uh, even if this fight somehow ends up on the floor, I expect Overeem's defense to be uh, good enough to defend the choke of Olenek or defend the you know, Ezekiel or armbar or whatever he's trying to throw you in. I think that Overeem, you know, kicks that leg, uh, throws a couple of feints, and then eventually times that perfect, you know, big left hook that he knocked out uh, Junior Dos Santos with. Or, you know, he's got power in both hands, man. And even though Olenek has a, a crazy chin, his defense is just so bad that uh, I, I actually see that Overeem knocking him out in the first or the second round of this fight. It's just, uh, he's too predictable, man. You know, you can't give, you can't be predictable versus a guy who's had hundreds of, uh, you know, fights, uh, you know, spanning the realms of kickboxing and Muay Thai and uh, mixed martial arts as well, of course. Uh, you know, Overeem's just going to, he's going to time Olenek uh, right away and he's going to be uh, looking to put him away early in this one. I think he does so. So the pick is going to be Overeem to get this one done by a knockout. I actually think there's a little bit of value on uh, Overeem by knockout at minus 162 um, if you're if you're a betting man. So uh, that's going to do it for this card. You know, UFC Russia, we had some uh, some crazy last names in this one. I hope I did my best with, uh, with the pronunciation. You know, we, now we are in Russia, so expect a little fuckery in this one. You know, expect that we actually do have a, a few Russian versus Russian matchups. So I, I'll be interested to see how that plan pans out. But, you know... These judges, man, they, they we saw in the last fight they're dodgy, man. They will give they will give fights to the Russians. They will screw uh, foreign fighters out of decisions, and uh, you know be weary of that. So if you're relying 
on any uh, you know non-Russian fighters to beat a Russian or a Caucasus fighter. You know, if they're from Kazakhstan or they're from you know some neighboring Kyrgyzstan or whatever. Uh, you know, don't don't be relying on an American or a Brazilian to come in and beat that Kyrgyzstan, that Romanian, that uh, Kazakhstani in in this fight. So. Uh, if you're if you're relying on uh, some some foreigners to win, hopefully they get it done by uh, by finish because you don't want to leave the the fight in the hand of the Russian judges. So uh, we got a solid card coming down this way. We got a day card it's kicking off at 10 a.m. I love those type of cards. You know, great way to start the day, and I'm really looking forward to it. And with that being said, we're just going to quickly recap the UFC 236 pay per view that went down this past weekend. I did uh, recap this fight, uh, the the two uh, co-main event and main event title fights that went down earlier in the podcast. But I'm just going to quickly breeze through the rest of the card. Starting things off, Brandon Davis getting that submission over Randy Costa. You know, Costa looked all right, but our suspicions of him not being UFC level were pretty true. Pretty suspect cardio in that one. Botello defeated Mueller by uh, decision. Nice one for her in that one. Jackson looked great versus Superman Top winning a decision. Bilal Muhammad, uh, you know, out-wrestled, out-wrestled, uh, out for the most part, Curtis Miller to a decision. I don't even remember these fights that much, to be honest. Khalil Taha floored Boston Simon with a right hand, knocked him out 30 seconds into that fight. Max Griffin and Zalim Imidayev had a really close back-and-forth fun fight where Max Griffin won that fight. Um... Pantoja knocked out Wilson Hayes. Looked looked great in that one. His striking looked on point. Matt Favola had a nice decision win over Jalen Turner. His wrestling looked good in that one. Nikita Krylov got the submission win over Open Saint Prue. Very surprising, you know. Krylov getting the sub over Saint Prue in that one. Yeah. Avenging his first submission loss to Saint Prue in that one. You don't see that happen too often. Um, Dwight Grant winning a really low low output, boring type of decision versus Alan Joban. And Khalil Roundtree looking like a new and improved fighter, uh, defeating Eric Anders with that tie style, kicking that leg off and dropping Eric Anders three or four times in that fight, winning a you know, it's 30 24 type of decision for me, honestly. He won the first round 10 9, second round 10 7, third round 10 8 for uh, rounders, uh, Roundtree in that one, winning 30-24 for a massively, massively dominant performance from Roundtree in that one. Really looking forward to seeing what's next for him. And as I mentioned before, the two back-to-back epic interim title fights that will go down in history as uh, two of the best back-to-back fights to ever occur on the UFC's uh, you know fights, honestly. And, you know, just the... The honor and respect between all these guys, you know, there was there wasn't much shit talking to start with in this one, but everyone respect all four guys respected each other, and then afterwards there was you know nothing more, uh, uh, just more respect, more you know uh, humbleness from everybody, you know, just incredible incredible post fight interviews from from both guys, um, you know, Max was interviewed. Uh, I don't think they interviewed Kelvin, but they interviewed. Uh, uh, Max in this one, you know, took the loss like a champ, you know, gave the respect to Dustin and, you know, both of these, both the Dustin and Max are just, you know, an embodiment of, uh, you know, respect, honor, athleticism, you know, just incredible fighters in MMA. There's, there's, uh, the four guys in the main event, I, uh, you know, respect to all of them. They really embodied what MMA is all about this weekend. And, uh, it was a, you know, a proud moment to be a fan of the sport, uh, watching those two fights. So, uh, with that being said, that's going to conclude the program this week. That's going to be all. Uh, we will be back next week for the UFC uh, South Florida car, but that is going to conclude episode 57. I hope everybody enjoys the fights going down this weekend in Russia, and may the betting odds be in your favor. I'll see you guys next week.